ladies, for episode three of season two. So, how are you? Right. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing very well. And we finally got snow here in Utah, which is very late for us. So, I was very excited, sort of, that we got some snow. Okay. We need the water. That is true. Y'all do need the water. Uh, I concur. To show, what are, what are your thoughts on y'all uh, winter wonderland? It look as as always. It looks beautiful from inside out. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I will say we also got your snow. Um, down here in Tennessee. Yay! And it wasn't it wasn't a full like Texas situation, but um, y'all can keep it. Y'all can definitely keep it. People down here cannot drive in snow, so uh. Yeah, people, I didn't miss it. People here can also not drive in snow. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like there they at least like I don't know. People, but people here they like speed anyway, right? So they speed right up behind you, and then they'll want to like slam on their brakes because it's not real snow; it's like ice because of the humidity. So then they'll like you know slam on brakes and it's like baby you can't you can't stop on ice like you can't go 80 and then want to stop like that so there have been accidents I've stayed at home but but anyways um let's get the ball started shall we see okay So today, we are going to be talking about women's health, um, which I think personally is a great topic um, for numerous reasons. As y'all know, I have a tendency to nerd out when it comes to like women's health issues, just because um, as we were talking about a little bit before we started the show, I told everybody for years I was going to be a doctor. not a doctor, but I've watched enough Grey's Anatomy. I feel like I could probably count. I could probably be a doctor. Um, <laughs> 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 With that being said, <laughs> let's uh, let's kick it off. What I think, what have been your experiences um, regarding women's health, whether it's like your personal health or whether it is just around kind of that field of specialty, what are the, I guess, highlighting points for you regarding that? And we can kick it off with Miss Tashel, Miss Dr. (laughs) Tashel. One day, one day. So what are my thoughts on women's health? That is a really good question. I think that that is the question, right? She kind of, did I hear it right? Yeah. I'm the worst. I'm like, processing processing. um what as you all know or by now hopefully know um almost done with school maybe studying public health and women's health is one of my is one of the areas that I always find as being super crucial top of the list for many reasons mm-hmm. because with if women are healthy and if women's health is a is a focus of health equity work, everyone will be healthy. I know that sounds like a huge generalization, but I really do believe it. Women are often the people who are caring for others when they're sick. They don't mm-hmm. often put their own health first. And so without women, you know, where would we all be, right? So I think it's really right. important to think about it that way. More, Most broadly, women's health needs to be a key focus of health equity work, of different mm-hmm. interventions of just health in general and I think women often get forgotten they also you know they get forgotten but they also forget to care for themselves so it's really great we're talking about this and so many there's so many different 
Hmm. I'm trying. I keep sounding. I keep saying things that are super general, but um, yes, women's health. She's here for it. That's right. I, I know. Totally it's like, I feel like we should like <laughs> snaps after that because she's like women's health. That's it. Right. Drops I right. Just drops mic right after that. <laughs> yeah, as right. you know, and the three of us, um, we identify as women and we've seen the struggles either personally or in our own families with our moms, our grandmas, our sisters, our aunts, and you know, I think that this is a topic that the, the term gets thrown around a lot. You'll hear certain months. Well, you know, when you think about women's health, the things that honestly, I think, come to mind the most for people are like breast cancer awareness. Um, And then other than that, maybe in our circles, in our world, black child and maternal health is really important. But other than that, you know, you don't really hear about our health being talked about as a priority very often. Right, Um, right. So that's why I'm excited for this piece. And I'm going to turn the time over to... Jasmine, women's health. Jen, yes. how you feeling about it? You know, I have to be honest. Like, I definitely haven't been the type to be like really um, worried. I guess, right? Like, I, I, I wouldn't say I didn't take my health serious, but I definitely wasn't like worried about it I guess if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um I felt like you know I'm young at this moment genuinely like pretty healthy you know I might have the occasional cookie or two here and there you know five but I just wasn't that I wasn't that concerned about it and now that I am getting older I guess I have taken a little bit more of um a hard look at my like health I guess and the things that I'm doing to my body and like what I'm putting in it I am not perfect y'all but I'm trying Mm. and so quarantine definitely Mm. has made me take a look at that because I think during during quarantine like it was like oh woo free for all we're home like you know I'm gonna have my bottle of wine tonight and Mm. all of my snacks and my um like processed food or whatever and I wasn't really really thinking about it and I wasn't really exercising and I was starting to feel like really sluggish and things so I started going like to work out but recently I did like go to the doctor because I was like you know what I just want to make sure like everything is like doing what it's supposed to do and like working and so I have been taking a lot of time to like find a really good um like a doctor that I could relate with I guess and so reading their bios and things and I did find one I I thought she was I thought she she looks good on paper preferably mm-hmm. I was looking for an African-American or a black woman because which is rare especially in Utah so you know mm-hmm. I thought I thought she may have been from her photo and her name so I was like okay you know I'm gonna try this this lady out and you know we had a good conversation but it was definitely it was different yeah for sure um yeah we'll get into that later guys I still the tea but yeah I don't know I I think women's health is so important and that we as women definitely put ourselves on the back burners And it's important that we put ourselves first. And I think the year of 2021, every woman should be like, this is the year you put yourself first, for sure. Um, But, Ms. Shekinah, how do you feel about women's health? Um, Well, as I kind of touched on in the beginning, I think that it's something that I'm extremely passionate about, um, just in general, right? Because I always wanted to be specifically like an OBGYN. So when I think of women, um, women's health, I tend to focus a lot on like our maternal mortality rate, right? 
And when we look at what that looks like um, for Black women, we know that Black women, I think it's like 40.8% of us are likely to experience some sort of like complication um, or death, like a preventable death, I should say, um, during like childbirth, right? So we're like five five times more likely to experience that, I think. Um, and I believe those stats are even from like 2016, 17. Um, so for me, that was something that uh, stuck out very prominently, especially when you break down that it's something that is considered um, preventable. Um, and I think that we would be remiss, you know, also me being like a, a history buff, a, a novice at it, I should say, we would be remiss if we didn't even touch on um, how women's health came to be and who were um, likely the the victims of it, right? If you, because I feel like that's the right word. Like when we talk about, I think his name is James Sims. His name is for sure Doctor Sims, who's like the the father considered the father of modern gynecology. When you look at like how that field and women's health kind of came to be, um, we we um, how it came to be. You also look at how black women specifically were um, tested on, right? Tested on often without anesthesia. And he would perform different like hysterectomies trying to understand the like women's anatomy. And then once he perfected it on us um, as, as those of people in bondage, then he would give his white patients the anesthesia. So when you look at that, um, even like the very history and foundation of women's health, I feel like is just riddled with a bunch of problematic things. Um, so I knew early on that this was something that was going to be very, um, I guess, very important to me. <clears throat> So <clears throat> with that, I guess, um, we can even step away from talking about it, like, from a clinical perspective. I know that we talked about it from, like, our, our own, like, personal and um, professional perspectives, right? But when we talk, one of the things that we discussed also kind of, like, in our planning meetings was that as women, we don't tend to discuss certain things amongst each other, right? Um we don't have those casual conversations like we need to. So sometimes when we go to different doctor's appointments, we may not necessarily know what to expect or know what you know we need to do. So um, I guess you know each of us have have mothers um, between the three of us, and we have a relationship with our mothers in some sort of capacity, right? So with that being said, was that something? that was discussed with your mom, like in terms of women's health, whether that was getting like pap smears or um, just how to take care of yourself in general, or like when you started your cycle, like did y'all have to sit down and have the talk or what, what kind of, what conversations were taking place, I guess, around that. And we can kind of start with, Miss Tichelle, if that's all right, if you're ready. That is all right. I am ready. So I am one of three, one of three sisters, one of three daughters, however you should say it. And yes, indeed, grew up with a mother in my life. <laughs> and um, grew up in very conservative Utah. Not that it's not anymore, but... It was even more so conservative in the county I grew up in, in the city I grew up in. And, you know, we didn't talk about health all that often. I think that there were certain things that were a priority. My parents did prioritize oral health, which is great. Um, they prioritized, mm. you know, the while I do recall, we, you know, we had our well child checks. And if something happened, we were definitely made sure to go to a 
we had our regular doctor for the for years and years and years um so i do see like our health was a priority but we didn't specifically talk about our own health right and even conversations around maturing and growing up was they weren't there weren't as many conversations but we were given a book right um oh my gosh I should have looked up the book before um because it's like a it's a it's like a book that still to this day uh parents give their daughters um it's like the chicken soup right there's that one but it's different um I'm going to look it up while we talk, but, um, 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 so yeah, so there was that, so there weren't a lot of conversations and maybe it's because my mom also, maybe there weren't a lot of conversations as she grew up. Right. Also the book was called the care and keeping of you. And it talks about, and it was a great book. Like now that I think about it, um, I'm like, okay, I see why we were probably given this book, but it also talks about these changes you go through as a teenager um, and what you might expect. And so instead of like having it, these soup, these conversations, we were kind of like, okay, so here's a book. And, you know, that was something that was more, that was more of a tool than some people probably get. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of my conversations um, about women's health growing up from my from my mom and or people around me came when I um, found out I was pregnant with my son. So that wasn't a, um, a surprise, but a blessing in disguise. I'll say that now. Um, but that came with a lot of uh, for me, it came with a lot of shame because I mean, shame because my age, shame because I grew up in a very LDS family and environment and state. So it was a lot of shame, but there were still conversations that had to be had either through a guy like through an OBGYN or through my mom who was disappointed, but also supportive to make sure that everything that I had all the tools I needed um or at least knew who to talk to to get those tools so women's health having been a young young pregnant person was a very interesting experience for me um but I think because of who I was already at that point and the sort of ump and responsibility I took on at a young age I was really like I knew I had to ask certain questions and advocate for myself but not everybody does that, especially black and brown women. And I think if it wasn't because I had a mother who was like in all the health settings I can imagine, even if it just had something to do with billing, she was very vocal and very, um, she was an advocate in her own way now that I think about it. Um, so we kind of got that from her, right? She had to advocate for us at a very young age. And so we kind of embodied that. Um, but I recall, yeah, there was a lot of strange, you know, there's a lot of strange experiences you have. And to this day, I only have one child, (laughs) so it's, it's, it can be really traumatic. I, it was, there was traumatic parts and things they tell you and things you, you only learn by experiencing it. But to this day, I really do see the how important it is to be an advocate for yourself and your body and how you're feeling. Um, So many times in these spaces, and you guys may talk about this more, is when it comes to women's health, we are sometimes, especially by doctors and those in the medical profession, we aren't even seen as competent about our own bodies. We Supposedly, you know, research shows, oh, or, um, and this is incorrect, but there's research that shows we don't feel as much pain. We can tolerate pain more. Um, you know, we get the minimal when others get more, right? Um, right? Even when it comes to being in the hospital, they just might assume we want to we want to bottle feed our children instead of breastfeeding. Like these are all things that are real and happened to me at such a young age. That was very interesting. They're like, Oh, well you're young. And you know, they just assumed like all, there were so many assumptions made about me 
<clears throat> that you see, like you read about every day, especially if this is important to you or you see all the time. And it really is crucial that we as women and those who are in- interested in health equity and social justice and health justice, that we need to make sure that women are seen as competent and that they know their bodies. Where there is just so many underlying assumptions that are life-threatening and they they create preventable disease outcomes preventable health outcomes and it's really really it's really disturbing so having gone through what I've gone through at such a young age I've made it a point to make sure that you know I have a sister who has two kids making sure like hey these are the things you should ask for and not be afraid to ask for them and not feel like you're asking too much because you know again another thing is think as black and brown women I can't speak as much to white women but you know we are we grow up being like taught okay be thankful for what you have right don't ask for more right. they are you know and so that can actually that can actually do some harm i don't even think this right. answers the question but uh i do prioritize women's health i think it's really important there's still topics i'll be honest i was telling you guys the other day there's still topics i'm super uncomfortable with and i think it's because of the way i grew up but I'm, that's definitely something I'm working on in the arena of women's health and women's sexuality and things like that, which is also a part of women's health. Um, right. But I will definitely turn the time over to Miss Jasmine. Yeah. So true. I'm trying to think back on where to even begin on this question. Um, this is such a loaded question, right? Because, like, in my household, like, like, I grew up with a single mother, and I had two brothers growing up, and so I, I don't necessarily know if my mom was, like, uncomfortable. Like, I'm reflecting on, like, those really early years, and, like, what my mom did kind of like to prepare me to become like a a woman right um and I'm thinking like just when like my mom herself is like a fairly I feel like now she's such an open person but back then I feel like my mom was kind of a more conservative side because we grew Mm -hmm. she grew up very like southern bell type and there's just certain things that you don't necessarily talk about, I feel, in the household as much. And so my mom growing up, um, I don't think, I wasn't scared to ask her a question, but I know that, like, she did give me, like, books kind of, like, to shell. Like, I had this really cool book that had all of, like, the women's anatomy in it that I could look at to understand, like, how my body was going to change over time and that was helpful and I I'm sure I still have that book somewhere or my mom does because we just hold on to stuff like that and (laughs) I remember like I remember my my godmother um she's like more liberal and like open she's like a really free spirit and she had given me a book uh, like a similar book and that one was had like just some more pictures in it and it was like the female body and the male body and like you know like it was just it was really cool like as a kid I was like this is so traumatizing but like as I got older and like wanting to understand more about like why am I like bleeding now all of a sudden like why am I moody or whatever it was just it was great to have those books to just reference back on I didn't have to have sort of like awkward conversations like mom like what is this you know like so that was kind of helpful and I think my mom did that maybe just because she didn't want to have those conversations because I I feel like um if you don't grow up having those kind of like open honest conversations um in your own childhood when as parents and I'm not a parent so I don't know but I assume that my mom may have not been as comfortable just because she didn't have that growing up um and so I think she did the best that she could but my mom would always remind me like 
Jay, like, you need to make sure you're counting your cycle and, like, you know, keep extra changes of clothes and stuff in your in your locker or whatever. Um, but I, I feel like my mom, where she, like, may have not prepared me as well, is just that, like, I didn't know when you start having sex, right, that you should start getting a pap smear. Like, I didn't know. I didn't realize that until, like, just, I don't, maybe, like, a month ago, guys. Like, and I'm 26. And so I think that's sometimes where if you're not open to, like, having those conversations and you're not like me where you're not really worried about it, you just kind of going through life, like, everything's working okay today, so, like, I must be fine. Um, you don't really think about, you don't really think about, like, those preventative things or, like, getting those checkups. Like, you don't really know what those are other than just going and getting a physical. And, like, that looks really different for women than it does for men. And so, I think that's, not to say my mom did a bad job, but just we, she may not have been comfortable. My mom may not know herself. Like, I I think I even had the conversation with my mom after and she was like, what you are like oh you know I didn't it used to be this when I was growing up you know and medicine changes over time and so it's not like they send out like a PSA like oh hey now you're supposed to be getting these now (laughs) um so I, I I thinking back on how prepared I was like um for like just being able to take my own health into my own hands I wouldn't say I was underprepared, but there's definitely, like, I still have a lot to learn, and that's why I'm really excited for this segment of our podcast, because this is not an area that I'm by no means an expert in, guys. I'm definitely the one who's like, you have to do what, where? You said They said, what? You have to use right. a spray bottle for what? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. We gotta circle back to the spray bottle. Yeah, we'll circle back to that conversation for you guys because, like, to show telling me, and I was like, You have to do what? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I'm going to be learning a lot right along with everybody um, in this segment for sure because I am definitely a novice and I'm excited to be able to just like learn and to take more of uh, accountability for my own health and. Yeah, but um, Miss Shekina, how do you feel about all of this? Um, well, I think like for me in my household, uh, my mom, like, so I I grew up um with my mom and my dad. However, my mom was the one that like we had those conversations with. Like, my dad and I, I don't think we've still had a conversation like regarding sex or, or any of that. Like, we just avoid that. We don't we don't do that. Um, and that's that's probably part of the uh, the southern culture too. That's like, baby, don't do that. But um, I think my mom and I we had those conversations fairly young. Um, not because when I was fairly young, not because it was like something that she wanted to, right? But I think as I've kind of already shared with y'all, like I started my cycle at nine, and so there wasn't really like an opportunity to wait right I think you know when I talked to my mom about it um she was very much like oh I thought I had time you know like I thought you know maybe around 12 13 we can have this conversation but when I come home from school and I'm like mom something's happening like this this stuff that wasn't here before is here now what is it like I think I need to go to the hospital (laughs) I'm bleeding out internally (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was also dramatic like that. And so, you know, she walked me through it um, and told me what it was, you know, that, you know, you have a cycle and this is what this means, essentially. And my mom also got me one of those books, too. Right. Um, but she got me the book that I think she was in a state of disarray. Because If she could go back now, she definitely wouldn't have gotten me that book. But she went to Barnes and Noble and she was like 
what book do I get my daughter? I don't like, I don't, this just happened. Like, what do I get her? So she got me this book that talks all about the female anatomy, how our body changes. It also talked about the male anatomy. So here I am like 10. But I'm like, so this is what they look like? Like, just <laughs> in, in there. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and I, that's all I say. I think that if she could take it back now, she probably would have because I was just in there reading all kinds of stuff like, oh, so this is how like, you didn't have to tell me how babies were made. Like I read all about it. I know. Um, and I think that that kind of uh, openness was um, very productive, like in setting a standard, right? And I also think uh, my mom, my grandmother was very open with her daughters because she had her first child at 17. And she was very adamant in saying like, look, I had sex one time, got a whole baby by it. You can't get pregnant on the first time. Y'all don't have sex. Y'all don't get pre like, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was like a mean girl's moment. Like, don't have sex or you will die. Hey, everybody <laughs> took a problem. Like, <laughs> she was like, right. So she was like that. She was, my grandmother was very open um, about it. I don't think that, which which I think was a little bit ahead of her time, right? Um, seeing as like the time period that my mom and everybody grew up in. And so when it came down to my mom having kids, she, she wasn't lying. She never, you know, mislabeled. You know how some people are like, oh, like your PP or stuff like my mom was very anatomically correct this your penis <laughs> um this is what happens and I appreciate that about her because I also feel like that's probably um to a certain extent where my love of health came in right um and I think so in saying like I wanted to be an OB so you know like in high school you can do like internships and all that so I did all that in high school um and I was I guess exposed to a lot at a at a young age and that also helped to formulate you know my thought process and things and so a lot of my friends who came from more conservative homes where their parents weren't talking to them about certain things like I, they were talking to me about certain things me and my other friend um they were asking us questions about stuff and you know it's like that was when I that's when I was like I'm gonna be a doctor, y'all, because they were already asking me questions. But every single one of my patients got pregnant, all of them. So I think I was a bad doctor. I don't think I did a good job. But um, maybe people who are struggling fertility need to talk to you, girl. Girl, probably, because that's that seems to be my forte. But um. It was also one of those things, too, where my mom amped up those sorts of, like, conversations, not just about the body, but about sex and stuff, when my friend who was 15 got pregnant. Because then she was like, oh, I don't know if you out here doing that, but let's have this conversation. Mm -hmm. But even that conversation was uh, the conservative kind, too, right? She was like, don't have sex until you're married. Because stuff changes, emotions are involved, just don't. You know, and it's like... So I should also formulate, we, we are a religious family, right? Like not religious in that way, but we're like a Baptist family. So, you know, it's important that you do. Um, I waited a little bit, but, you know, not, <laughs> not married, didn't wait that long. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I say that to say, like, the, there should be more of an open conversation about the importance of why you should wait you know, to have sex. At the time, there were incurable strands of gonorrhea and chlamydia, and I was like, I'm a hypochondriac, so I was like, yikes, like, everybody got it. But um, I think if we would have had more of a conversation, which it was just a conversation I think that isn't being had right, is that there um, is um, an emotional tie to sex, to intimacy. Um, and we may refer to that as, like, a soul tie, Um but I, for me personally, that's like a very real thing. So I think that that's something that is underwhelmingly not discussed. And it should be um, when you have young girls or even young boys, because, you know, they think that it's okay to kind of 
go from person to person and it's like baby you can't that's not what this is you can't yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't do that no I totally feel what you're saying about the whole um like emotional connection I did mm-hmm. like I oh my god my mom's gonna kill me if she hears this but I definitely had sex very early on and probably because it was super trendy like you know because you're like everybody's doing it like just do it and um there wasn't like I didn't have a lot of friends who were who were like waiting right like I just I didn't and um I was probably one of the last ones like in my friend group who waited to like have sex and I felt I mean I feel okay about the person that I had my like shared my first time with and it's so it's so weird now because like I still see this person um like a little little more often now than I would like to see him but I still see that person sometimes and like I feel like we don't even know how to like have a conversation with each other, you know, because it's just awkward. And that's a part of like having sex that I 100% agree with, like doesn't get talked about, like the emotional aspects of it afterwards. And not that I feel anything for this person, right? But it's just like we're now adults and it's kind of like, Oh, you were 17 and like, good to see you you know so like we see each other and we do this like awkward like like head nod hi you know blah like and I haven't spoken to him like had a conversation which I don't know if that's like needed but it definitely every time I see him I'm kind of like this is awkward like can we just like not talk about like can we just not talk like can we just act like we don't see each other type thing um so yeah I definitely agree that's something that has to be talked about more because it's not I think her um Michelle, thoughts, comments? Jasmine, I'm thinking, you know, be thankful you can avoid your first person, my first person. <laughs> I'm linked to for 18 years legally somehow. <laughs> luckily, I don't. Luckily, they, they live in Utah, but I don't see them. So, you know, God is good. But, you know, there are, women go through a lot. Women go through a lot. Not to say that men don't either. But women do. We, we deal with a lot and there's a lot of emotions, good or bad, because some of us, our emotions are attachment and some of our emotions are dismissal, like um, like people like so-and-so who are just like prefer to be a ghost than get attached to people. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say that, you know, it's good to have these conversations and I, I'm actually really excited. I think it's just because time like because times have changed and the world we live in people are way more open to having some of these conversations i think you know sexuality and intimacy are still more of a hot topic than sexual health and Mm -hmm. being healthy when it comes to intimacy but i i still think that because people are willing to have conversations about these topics it opens up a really good a, a great door for us to be able to make a bigger impact where things aren't so hush hush and oh we don't talk about that like we for sure talk about like it's important to talk about these things and make sure that the information like for some of us who may go to the internet for more of their information because they're not getting it from home or there are you know there are a lot of women young and older who may not have a a mother figure or someone to go to for this information so they're going to the internet so again around women's health it's important to go to the right sources if possible and um there are all kinds of free services and free resources out there that women can you know reach out to like i'll just throw some out there like for example most places whether you're in california and utah and i'll just speak to those two you can chime in um Shekinah, but like you can, you know, call 211 or you can go to it, you know, your, there are a lot of like federally qualified health clinics that you can go to that will provide information or at least help you at free to low cost. 
right right um and they do have those you know out here in Tennessee as well I think they have them you know kind of everywhere one thing I have noticed um in regards to like a contraceptive health is that those um are becoming more easily accessible to everybody right and uh for the most part are like lower cost or free cost. Like here in Tennessee, they were doing long-term um, con- contraception for free. So like uh, you could opt to get the IUD or you could opt to get the, uh, what is it? I forgot the, the official name, but it's the arm implant for birth control, um, the implant. Mm-hmm or next one on. Um, so they, they are moving towards that as well. Um, I would say, you know, like you, make sure that you're going to a credible source to understand what may be the best fit for you, um, whether that is the, like, birth control pill, the depo shot, or whatever, in terms of if you're going to be sexually active. Um, one thing I think also kind of gets... Uh, under-discussed about women and specifically um, Black women and it could be um, Latinx women as well. Um, I'm not too sure on those statistics but I know that we have a higher rate of polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, meaning you may be more prone to getting like different cysts around your cycle so you have painful cycles um, you could be more prone to getting like type 2 diabetes or ins- being insulin resistant, um, which can also ultimately impact your fertility. Um, and so I think that that is something that uh, we need to be conscientious of looking at. I know, you know, without being TMI, as I've gotten older, my cycle patterns have changed and become like somewhat less consistent and so you know even though you feel like you may be generally a healthy person like I mean I'm not within my BMI range right but let's also be honest that's biased so uh, (laughs) so talk about um, it (laughs) right so overall I'm fairly healthy and so when you are a person who's lightly involved in the healthcare field and you're pretty healthy like Jasmine said you have I personally have less of a tendency to go to the doctor. You know what I mean? Especially when I hit the good old 26 and got kicked off my parents' insurance. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. we not going to the doctor. Like, Just kidding. I have insurance, but still. Um, so I think that those are things to talk about, too, and saying, you know, be diligent in at least making for yourself an annual appointment. You don't have to go every month, every quarter, every week. Um, but at least go once a year to just check up and make sure that everything is functioning and doing what it's supposed to, or, you know, at least monitor, um, your own health so that when changes do occur, you can speak to that. Um, I know some people perform more of a, a holistic approach, which I'm all about a good, uh, eucalyptus oil and all that. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to need somebody with some kind of a degree to tell me what just happened. <laughs> That's for me personally. Um, so, yeah. Do y'all have any kind of final comments? I know this was kind of like a brief women's health 101. If we need to do a part two, we can most certainly do that. But do y'all have any kind of lasting comments that are at the forefront? No, no I mean, I think it's just that, like, especially for any young girls that may be listening to this um I think don't be afraid to ask questions like it's I know it's scary but there are definitely like Kisha was saying there's so many resources out there and I think Planned Parenthood is such a good place it's such an amazing organization and anytime that I've ever gone to Planned Parenthood I never felt like judged or Mm-hmm. Um, like I was going to get in trouble or something even in high school like when my friends and I would go and we would be like I think I need to get a pregnancy test you know or something like not me but like right. there was other people 
<laughs> I was there for moral support, y'all, to clarify. <laughs> but, you know, I I didn't feel like they were being, like, judged or when you wanted to, like, get on birth control or whatever and you were maybe nervous to talk to your parents about it or, um, like, you've tried a couple different birth controls, like myself. Like, I've tried a lot of different ones and you just have to figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is the same. So don't let people, like make you feel like well if you're not taking birth control and you are being sexually active like making sure that you are you know getting up on your cycle if that's what works for you like me like I don't take birth control because I don't like the side effects that it that it does to me and I'm just kind of tired of trying all of the different ones Mm -hmm. and so I take a really important um like stance on tracking my cycle and like when I've had sex so that I know like when I should expect to have my period and that just makes me feel better and that might not be right for everybody but that's what works for me and so I would just say figure out what works for you and like do that <clears throat> I would agree um I guess and also to that point I want to say um don't let anybody um not just with birth control but with sex in general or anything in general don't let people um pressure you or pigeonhole you because if you want to have sex okay um if you don't want to have sex that's fine too um personally mine was a wasted virginity i'll say that to anybody all the time (laughs) but i'm just saying um make sure that you're doing what is right for you and then even to Jasmine's point about Planned Parenthood I know that um, historically they have a bad rap sheet but I think that they are doing um, a great job in a lot of different lower income and communities of color in terms of giving you access um, to something that you may not have and if that specifically you're adamant that that's not your cup of tea there are other clinics as Tichelle said that you can go to um, for those very same resources. But Mm -hmm. please Mm -hmm. speak to somebody. um, If you feel like you cannot have that conversation with your parents at home or your your guardianship, um, then please seek out a professional. Do not talk to your friends because I I didn't know what I was doing when my friends were asking me. And... um, all, oh all of them God. and their children can test. Girl, you're so funny. Uh, yeah, I was just <laughs> I saying, like, that. <laughs> that's hilarious, girl. Yeah. Look, if I ever have problems in the future, I'm gonna come to you and be like, whisper, whisper some sweet nothings. But I got um, I, I don't. Yeah, be your greatest yeah, advocate. I feel like women should be empowered too, and it's hard. I think you know when it comes to thinking about domestic violence, which maybe we should have a second, a second part too. But talking, thinking about domestic violence and physical and sexual abuse you know sometimes women don't feel the most empowered for their health or like they can even do anything about their body or autonomy Um, but I will say for those who feel more empowered or are working on that this year I really do think that y'all should be the ones to to advocate for yourselves if you are able to right so if you're interested in a fella and they're like hey let's do the thing and they don't have condoms and you want feel empowered to take them sometimes women like i've heard stories where they're like oh well you know a guy would call me this or that like who cares you're protecting yourself like if they don't care to protect themselves that's on them but i think we as women should really put our put our health first in all times and all places so random random thing but Absolutely. girl women girls those who identify well, as women feel feel empowered to have your health in your own hands and not listen to others well we definitely do need to do a part two um for sure because i feel like even to that point if you can't have a conversation with your partner or partners about sex and sexual health and their sexual health, then baby, that's not mm-hmm. the one at all. If if I can't if I can't comfortably ask you, how many partners have you had? Um, when was the last time? I mean, and I know that's a controversial question too, but it's it's a real question. Or saying like, you know, when was the last time you got tested for STIs, mm-hmm. HIV, AIDS? 
you know, look, can I see your results? Like, mine was negative. Right. I'll put that out there for y'all. <laughs> and, and I hope that we're all negative. I hope we're all negative. But my point is, is if you can't have those conversations, then, then you might be entering yeah. something a bit premature. That's true. Opinion. That's true. Um, but we could go on and on, I see. This is a great conversation, so I hope we do have a part two. I hope that um, y'all as listeners enjoy the conversations um, and the stories that we've been able to share with you today. Um, and if you have any com- or any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us um, on our Facebook page or um, to our individual Instagram account. Um and we would love to chat with y'all. So before we close out, I'm going to ask real quick. Um, we will ask Miss Jasmine first. Why is Black health important to you? You know, I know this is the question we're asking at the end of each of these episodes, but I still have not come up with a great answer that I just love, you know? Right. Um. But Black health is important because it should be important for all of us, anybody, to have access. Access is important, and we need to provide more access to Black and brown bodies. I'm with it. I'm here for it. Miss Tichelle, why is Black health important? Why does it matter? Black health matters for so many reasons, but the one I'm going to focus on today is... Black health matters because we are important. We are needed. We are necessary. We are we are history, right? We are black history. And as we close out this month, that is why this matters. So Yes, Lloyd. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Here for it. All of you. Yes. Uh, this is the last day of Black History Month. I just realized. Oh my gosh! Is, well, we've extended we've extended Black Celebration. It now starts Martin Luther King Day and I ends the last perfect. day. And you know, for us, so. Black History is every day. But <laughs> <laughs> right, I like yes. the formal extension. So, here. Thank um, you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just decided Black season, Black History season, um, Black health is important to me or it matters to me because 40.8% of women died for no reason or preventable reasons um, during childbirth and I want and need to see that number go down before I feel comfortable enough to bring Mm. another black body into this all right well i love y'all thank you so much for doing these podcasts with me um happy black history month um power to the people (laughs) do the right thing bye y'all stay safe bye bye